G'day Dylan, how are we? <laughs> yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, so this is just something we're trying out to, I assume, add a bit of depth to some of the discussions and save your fingers from endless typing. Um, something that can be said in five minutes doesn't take, you know, two months to put up. <laughs> um, so we're going to we'll just kick it off with a little bit of news, I reckon, because we're, we're not going to probably be super timely with this, but it's more just to sort of get some viewpoints and get across what we think about a few things and, you know, it might be news to some people. I mean, some of it doesn't travel super far. <laughs> so, very recently we had the Perth Royal Beer Awards, which I want to say was for less than a week ago, the 18th? Something like that. Yeah, from <laughs> Um So, we'll just quickly run over the three biggest awards. Mm. So, Champion Beer went to Pirate Life's Mosaic. That makes a lot of sense. It's a really good beer. Yeah. <laughs> Has been for a long time, even since the AB. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In bed takeover. <laughs> Or Carlton, Dr- Carlton United takeover, possibly. I actually don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good start. Um, <laughs> Champion Large Brewery went to Lion, which is yeah. certainly large. Yeah, it's definitely large. They make a lot of beer. I found that interesting from the point of view of... Um, it's just a strange thing to give it to, because they're more of a conglomerate almost at this point. Like, what is Lion doesn't make a lot as Lion. I'm wondering if it's a purely a points edition. I don't know how the award yeah. is calculated. Is it purely points for each beer you've entered? And I think it was from re-release of a lager um, from memory. Looking over it, they actually put it out themselves. But yeah, Lion. I guess if you had the if you gave them points as the umbrella that Lion represents, then yeah, certainly I could understand that being points wise. But Lion, I would find it interesting just because a giving. Lion and Ward, um, and also just because Lion, not so much a producer as a more of an owner as a, a beer owning, yeah, a brewery owning company, just a monolith. Who, uh, yeah, and Champion Small Brewery Three Ravens, which yep. is good for them to get something shine in Perth. Um, like obviously, Nail win a lot of awards in Perth, and that you may have thought. Well, Three Ravens' beers would travel well. A lot of them are sour. Yeah, a lot of the good stuff is sours. And places like Main Liquor and stuff get all the juicy variants in. Yeah, are oh, juicy, of course. Yeah, they do some good stouts and stuff too. So, yeah, I think, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, the Druid is one of my favourites, the Quad. Yeah. Well, their um, they're Golden Sour actually won Best Wheat slash Specialty Beer at the same show. Wow. Okay. Um, so, a bit good night for them. Yeah. Worth going to Perth for. Well, good on Brendan. He's a good brewer. Yeah. And it's, it's always nice to see Victorians get interstate shine and um yeah probably nice to him get some as, as good as juicy's been it's probably nice to get some non-juicy press as well mm. um he'd probably get a bit sick of it <laughs> well he keeps releasing new variants well, probably, so probably because he's sick of it <laughs> <laughs> um so on the subject of big monoliths uh, a couple of acquisitions um just wanted to get your thoughts on australian brewery getting bought by the red cape group i mean it's not particularly surprising, and they're more of a hotel pub thing, and they've obviously been moving more into the mainstream with their expansion into First Choice and Dan Murphy's and and China, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, they've they've always been surprisingly international, which is probably the boring name in the cans helps with that. I always thought their beers were very solid, uh, not spectacular, but they've produced some nice stuff over the years. There was that yeah. Mexican lager they did a few years mm. ago that was very still nice. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cesar Manos and their Pilsner's nice, their yep. Session IPA is fine, their Pale Ale is pretty good. They were, you know, Pale Ale in a can with Galaxy before anyone else was doing it. So I've certainly picked up their beers before, yeah. you know, when there's no option, when you're at Dan's or well, they're something. They're also cheap. That's the other yeah, thing. exactly. That's the, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really have strong thoughts on this. It's, it's unsurprising and I don't doubt it will change much with them. No, I felt they were 50 always... 50 million was the price tag, which is not bad for them. That's... I'd love to know what sort of quantity of beer they're producing uh, pretty I, high yeah yeah i think um with their expansion into the big shops it makes a lot more sense why they expanded so aggressively it's probably to make them more attractive to well and that brand would always be attractive because you've got the australian name <laughs> um 
But not necessarily from an Australian point of view, but from an international point yeah. of view. And also a bit of a presence, as you mentioned, internationally already. So mm. it's, um, the Makes other a bit one, of sense. <laughs> which might pique your interest more, was um, Lion buying four Pure, which was a little, a little bit longer ago, but they um probably a bit more crafty. Although I kind of, they a lot of their stuff's pretty straight up and down as well. So like I kind of saw it as a it's bigger acquisition, but you know, it's not. Well, Full Pure was a well-respected brewery in London. Yeah, um, I think a big, probably bigger impact in the UK. We don't get a heap of their stuff here. Already. No, I think what have we had? Maybe two shipments of mm. a couple of things. Um, it kind of reminds me of sort of the Golden Road takeover. Yep, that makes a bit of sense um, again. <laughs> just in the sense that they they have an impact on the craft scene, but um, they are pretty straight up and down. Like they don't do anything that. I'm just thinking what of their stuff I've had. I've definitely had the IPA. They do a good Pilsner. Yeah, I think they do. And an oatmeal stout. I reckon that, I had a good yes, beer week. that would probably be right. Yeah, I think at the Catfish I had it during. <laughs> their stuff's always been good. I had a red at the Catfish as well that was really nice. Yeah. Um, simple. Nothing, you know, nothing to write home about, but it was a nice beer. <laughs> and it may may still be nice. That's uh Well, th- this is the thing big conglomerates don't buy craft breweries anymore to destroy them it's to that they see this as an emerging sector that they want to be involved in <laughs> i guess um yeah matilda bay's sacrifice has uh, done more for the future after that royal balls up and uh <laughs> turning them into yak ales like, i think it's actually been good though like it's important somebody needed to take the take the fall what happened to poor old alpha <laughs> <laughs> we may never know <laughs> speaking of uh classic beers mm. this is not super surprising but i thought worth mentioning um Cooper's releasing their original pale ale in very spiffy looking green cans, which is, I think their cans look great. They're just their session ale blue can is fantastic. And I've almost bought it just because it looks so good. It's a nice beer, but releasing their pale in cans makes a lot of sense. Can condition, should yep. say that. So, same beer. Uh, I am reckon this is going to make them a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be well priced. There's going to be a lot of people buying cases of it to go camping. Like <laughs> cans are just so much better than bottles for that. Sort yeah, of and I mean, purpose. what did they have in cans pre-session now? They had that not very Dr. good lager. Tins? Yes, was that what it was called? Yeah, and they also had their legends, which they did for the tennis. Yeah, neither of them pretty were pretty ordinary. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so this is good news. Um, so sort of, this is more of a niche one, but I, I found it interesting enough. Um, crisp malts or the crisp maltings who. Uh, do a lot of the Marisota and stuff, been around from the eight, eight, since the 1870s, yep. have now partnered up with Beer Co. and will be all over Australia. So homebrewers, you can order crisp malting stuff now. So if you want I some real... I that. Yeah, so it's, if you want some real traditional Marisota and stuff, they are um, all around and available to get now and should be spreading. And that's great because it sort of gives us a pipeline. We get a lot of hot pipelines. We're getting a malt pipeline is cool. Really cool. And, like... Um, um, we'll be taking advantage of that yeah, at some so point <laughs> good quality english malt is is definitely a good thing um next piece of news is recent nielsen insight survey so nielsen do a lot of tv mm. ratings and all that um not as big a surprise again but they say that canned beer sales are set to overtake bottled beer sales in america within the next three years isn't that great news for craft beer <laughs> it is it's fantastic news but it's also it's good. It's just good to hear. A lot of the time, the right news isn't isn't the news you hear. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's good to see that people are finally catching on that it's better for beer. And I sort of worried that the tide might turn slower in America. But um, yeah. Although Australia has this very sort of negative attitude towards cans. Pe- yeah. There's a lot of people, sort of our parents' age, who would say cans are taste metallic. Taste, yeah. <laughs> Things that haven't been the case for twenty years, but still. If not more. (laughs) And finally, for news, this is not even really news, but uh, just uh, something I found humorous. Bridge Road are releasing a hopped cola, non-alcoholic, following their lemon, lime, and bitters hop drink. Out July 23rd, the reason it's not out now is because Ben Krause has been tweaking the hop profile of a cola. Phenomenal. (laughs) Craftbeer.text in 2018. Well, I think he he's also released his brew water, hasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> which I think is just you can sell. yeah. Is that just bottled Beechworth water? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's good water up there. Um, Lovely part of the world as well. Yes, it is very nice, and um, we completely support everything Ben is doing um, with his sixty-seven or sixty-eight beers he brews a year. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I could don't blame him for doing the odd cola and water because. You, you probably would get a bit overwhelmed. 
are back. Uh, had a slight delay getting back because Angus just poured us a green goza that he brought back from Russia. And um, <laughs> we had a little bit of fun trying to work out what it was, as you can imagine. This is um, just... Obviously, you're listening, but this is a bright. This is a bright green. This is not a subtle green. No, this no, it's a, um. You'd call it sort of St. Patrick's Day green. Call it dishwashing liquid green. Yeah, yeah, it's quite um, vibrant. Yes. <laughs> but um, it's we well, worked out it's aniseed or licorice or yeah, yeah, that's as best we can do with the Cyrillic. Um, the can actually doesn't say anything. No, we managed to translate it and it wasn't particularly... Found a pregnancy warning. And... Yeah, which is nice to know they're thinking of that. Not helpful for our purposes, but... um, Considering you can drink and drive in Russia and drive with your mobile phone in your hand, I'm slightly surprised they've got a pregnancy warning on beer. I it's seaweed looking at that picture. It looks like someone's stepping in... Possibly. Yeah. It definitely says licorice on the untapped. Well, it tastes like licorice, but yeah. I'm just wondering if that person is like... looks like someone walking through like... I don't mind that someone walking yeah. through. Um, obviously for you guys... Not looking at the weird green and black can. <laughs> this might looks seem like strange. The, the, the cover is kind of a silhouette of a man. Looks like he is walking through something that could be seaweed. In any case, it's brewed by a, beer, a brewery called Red Button. Um, not sure where they are. And it's um, in collaboration with some Volgograd bar. Yeah. And it's quite nice. I mean, aniseed and ghostsery characteristics work well. Well, it's salt salty. Tartness, yeah. But like salty liquor is of a great combo. It yeah, always has been. I'd back it in. Um, it's a great segue into talking about what we have, what we've been drinking. Mm. Just sort of a thing we want to do regularly. And funnily enough, we talk about what we've been drinking. Um, Strange that. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> so Angus, tell us, give us the lowdown on Russia in in a, in as a few minutes, if you can. It would be very tough, but pick some highlights and. Uh, um, you well, were in Russia for the World Cup, which is I was. Just in case anyone, I was with yeah. a couple of friends from school. Um, it was a big three weeks, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah, yeah, well, you go to Russia with two mates and it's a... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Um, so we drank a lot of craft beer in Moscow. Like a lot of craft beer in Moscow. Um, there's a lot of craft beer in Moscow as well. Um, yeah. We were talking to some bartender at, uh, at a craft beer bar there, and he said that beer sales have really declined in Russia but that 30% of beer sold is craft beer. So that's well above the, the normal. Yeah, so well... like 10%-ish. We're Australia. five. Five, yeah. Yeah, five percent of drinkers and three percent of beer sold or something. So it doesn't... Yeah, I guess for the craft breweries over there, if, you, if you're selling less, but you're selling more at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it's the big, the big breweries that have really suffered. Bad macro lager. Poor them. Mm. Um, but even the macro lager in Russia was... Pretty good. Mm. We went to... Because obviously we followed the Socceroos around Russia. So we went to some cities you probably wouldn't go to otherwise. (laughs) Um, We went... In Samara, we went to the Zhiguli Brewery, which is one of the biggest commercial breweries in Russia. Cool. Um, They had, I don't know, 30 or 40 different beers in their taproom bar, which you could buy for about $1.30 per litre. Is that the one where they put them into the plastic bottles? Yeah. yeah. Plastic <laughs> that sounded entertaining. Plastic bottle costs you five cents from the little old ladies outside. <laughs> Buy it by the litre. It's basically like the world's most ghetto growler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but it's done by a, a big brewery, which is cool. Like, it's a nice... I like the idea. Yeah, and they just had their tap rooms by the Volga River. Yep. Um, pretty scenic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they the best thing that we noticed, they had three distinct menus. So they had a beer menu, they had a beer snacks menu, and they had a menu called Fish in Bag Menu. And was it, was it, was it what it sounded like? It was literally dried fish in a bag, and they had about 400 flavours. You could have different fish, different seasonings. It sounds like really good drinking food. Um, they were salty, they were yeah. delicious. Um, the tr- trying dried fish at the Zaguli Brewery was actually on the list of things to do in Samara. Was it a good list or was it just... Uh... Um, I think that tells you a lot about yeah, Samara. <laughs> um, so Samara Unless was... Unless the fish was really, really good. Yeah, look, it was good. It wasn't that good. <laughs> but the brewery, good. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, really cool to have a... What is a mass market brewery? Having an actual tap room that just anyone can walk can, into? Compare it to the Carlton. Yeah. Which is a bit of a... Bit of a joke. Yeah, well, it's... A gimmick, almost. You mm-hmm. don't learn much at all. No. Um, 
So yeah, like you you were saying to me in person before, um, hops big over there. Yeah, really um, big. Um, so the New England IPAs in particular are far better than the Australian offerings. Um, they've got dry hopping. Yeah, like through the roof. Yeah. Got it figured out. Yeah, well we just had one that... Yeah, it's very nice. Coming up on six weeks old, but there's more hop profile there than any Australian one, even if it's two days off. Well, also, they've got the business, right? Which is um, the, yeah. the big thing, I think. I think so. Um, so, yeah, Russia, pretty healthy co beer scene. Um, yeah. Probably bigger but, than here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, brought back a... So this, yeah, as we were saying before, this um, aniseed goza is from there, and we've had pretty varied things so far, and, I mean, it sounds like everything you had over there was, was varied, and, I mean... Sound like everywhere you went, like you went Sochi, Samara, Kazan, Kazan. Moscow, St. Petersburg. Yeah. Yeah, and like everything sounded like you were drinking all right everywhere. And these are all brought to you by the Beer Geek bar in St. Petersburg, where the girl, um, very knowledgeable, sort of sorted us out with weird stuff, good stuff. Yeah, and definitely deserve a a shout out for uh, helping us enjoy this right now. And maybe... Should I even get back to her and ask her what the fuck this is? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> because why is it green? Because do so you want to give us? Let's give us um just to give us three breweries you recommended people in go to Russia try. Yep. Um. So one would be AF Brew. Yep. So who, they do a lot of the hazy stuff we were l- having. A lot of hazy stuff. I've also had a stout from them. I think that was pretty good. Yep. Um, Jaws Brewery mm. is a big one. They're probably. The most famous brewery in Russia. They're right on the Ural Mountain Range. Oh, yeah. Um, and their beer, people would have seen, it's a blue and yellow thing, it's called, in English, it's nuclear laundry. Yeah. Because I think they brew in an, I think, I think yeah. they brew in an old laundry or something. In, in uh, Chernobyl or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in that area. It, all of Russia's like that. Yeah. Isn't tainted with that brush. Um, and one of the other ones is would be Balkanin. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, I think there is St. Petersburg Brewery. Um, they made just some good stuff. Just generally nice stuff. You can find it around. Yeah. The other thing that I would say in Russia is there's a lot of craft beer shops. You know, you just go in and just go yeah. in. And ask them. Much like in Australia, if you don't know a place, go in and chat. And all their bars will sell you takeaways, mm. which is all so very handy. <laughs> that is. That's a definite positive over what we have. Um, so yeah, do you want to give a couple bars too? We got uh, the beer geek. Uh, beer geek in uh, St. Petersburg. God, if you want to go to Kazan, Drink Craft was a really cool little little bar. The other thing in Russia is that all their bars are not at street level. They're either down or up. So just, yeah. So, so look for the door. Like You've the, got the right is, address. <laughs> there's, there's always a sign. It is Cyrillic. It's a bit harder. So use the logos. And they the, all have their logo. The other thing you said was that carbonation is a bit weird if you're over there. Yeah. At the bars. So like proper craft beer bars might have them more figured out than... Yeah, so a lot of bars, particularly macro bars, <laughs> uh, seem to pour off residual keg pressure rather than having an independent CO2 yeah. line. Um, so they can take two or three minutes to pour a pint. Which is not always uh, what <laughs> Which, you want. Well, considering how they were talking about beer in Russia and how they were so surprised Australians just drank beer, <laughs> I just don't think it's a problem normally because everyone buys bottles of vodka and yeah. plonks them on the table and that's what you drink. And you know, a beer is kind of a palate cleanser, not a not a drink. But um, you know, maybe they'll maybe maybe we, you helped them learn. Yeah, well, it, some of the bars in St. Petersburg had it under control. Good. And Sochi, actually, there was an, a Russian bloke running a bar down there um, that lived in Australia for ten years. Oh. And so they could pour a pint in about ten seconds as a normal sort of bar. That's would. what you want. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we'll just should quickly mention as well in terms of. I know on my end, it's not quite as interesting, but Angus and I both uh, went to Tallboy and Moose earlier in the week to brew a beer called Buried Alive, spelt berry as in the fruit, not the being <laughs> buried. Um, and so we tried a bunch of their stuff there, and um, yeah, everything was quite enjoyable, and it was a good experience being yep. over there, getting a taste of uh, professional brewing, and um so not so much what we've been drinking, but it's definitely beer related, and that's mostly what has taken up my thoughts in the past week or two. So yeah, um, um, that was a really cool experience, actually. Yeah, <laughs> moving up from our grandfather, which is our biggest <laughs> option, to a uh, sort of a something not a dissimilar, fifteen hundred liter. Yeah, it was a lot bigger. Yeah, um, match. 
But yeah, if you if this comes out in time and you're around the uh, Terminus Hotel or Torbway and Moose August 4th and you see Buried Alive on Tap, that is a milkshake IPA, lactose, vanilla and berries and yeah, I don't know, just kind of cool that we got involved with that and, you know, try some more beers at uh, Torbway and Moose too, I think. Angus and I both really enjoyed the Shelfie, which is an alt beer, which is there's not enough of, and they're just not. Multi lagers don't get enough love. No, and <laughs> they really and Torboy in general just they they have a lot of unloved styles and they have a lot of loved styles, and they you'll be able to find something you like. So um, only two two core beers in fourteen taps or something. Yeah, like yeah, which is cool, and you know all of the taps except the cider is theirs. So that's that's a new fun place to work. And, it's a um, cool little brewery. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> And um, it's easy for us to say that, but uh, we do mean it. We do mean it. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Next segment we're going to move on to is, this may not be one we do every time, but um, it's called What's In Style? I'm using the word style too much, but essentially, I mean, we're drinking any IPA right now, well some form of an any IPA and I mean when they came out that was just everywhere like hazy IPAs once they took off it was kind of scary how rapid it was and um today we're going to discuss something which may not be you know realistically probably won't take off as much in brewed IPAs but it does seem like everyone and their dog are trying to get one going um you know I'm surprised we haven't knocked one together just because but um it is it's it's the style of the minute so um, yeah Absolutely. Broad thoughts? Um, well, I've had three Australian examples now, and I'm not in love with the style, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, they're, very, they're IPAs that finish very dry. Um, normally through the use of an enzyme, I think. Is that right? Yeah. To lower yeah. the... A lot of the time, I think it was originally an enzyme with the first one that did it, but a lot of Australian breweries are using champagne yeast. Okay. Yeah. Um, and brute wood. Yeah, well, I think that's kind of the idea is the, the, the dry character of champagne is what they're trying to translate into, yeah, the beers they're making. And are they adding that, obviously they're adding that at low temperatures, because doesn't champagne ferment very low? I'm actually not sure. Yeah. Um. I think champagne generally ferments at a lower temperature than beer. Well, it would make sense, because it would, uh... Make gives it that crispness and mm. yeah. Uh, all three I've had have been crisp. I think they're the only three Australian examples that are packaged at this point. Yeah, I don't. Well, Tallboys not even. Tallboys wouldn't be packaged. No, yeah. that's true. Um, can get it packaged. Well, <laughs> if you go down to the brew pub in Thornbury yeah. and walk away with a liter of it. Um, so I think probably Tallboy and Mister Banks. And Wolf of the Willows. Yeah, and the first two probably equally as good. Wolf of the Willows probably a little bit worse. Yeah. But they were first to the party, so... Um, I think there's a lot of room for experimentation. I just don't know... Like, is, is like the best version of a brood IPA you can make actually that amazing? I just don't think there's enough of a distinction between a normal IPA and a brood IPA. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> the finish which is not necessarily better... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's sort of my feeling. Like I like sort of all the ones I've had have had quite fruity hops. Mm. Um, I just don't know if it would have been better with a slightly more, you know, yeah. body in the finish instead of this very dry. I think I think Tallboy tried something using the German very hops. fruity German varieties like Mandarina, Hule Melon. Yeah, um, and I think that's a good way to take it. But then also, Mister Banks used pretty straightforward. IPA fruity hops. hops, and they also worked quite well. Yep. Um, so yeah, it might not might just be a style that doesn't have a lot of legs. I mean, it's something different. I guess that's the exciting part. Breweries can be like, you know, here's something to make. We have one of these, and it seems like that's what everyone's doing. Yeah, I, I think most breweries in Australia are probably trying one now. And I think I would be trying them on tap for the next probably month or two. Like, I think it'll die quicker yes. than New England. Yes. New England seems like it's here to stay. <laughs> yeah. Um, at least for some breweries. Yeah. And I don't know, none of the brutes, certainly like from these breweries, none of them strike me as something that'll be around forever. Like, uh, they have, we haven't had a Juicy yet. or a... No, no, there's not one. And there that's... may not be one. No, no, there may not be one. But I, yeah, there's, there's not 
a juicy yet, which is sort of defined Three Ravens. Yeah. It's the beer that everyone knows is Three Ravens now. Yeah, and I guess it, it's sort of hard to sound unenthused while not saying they're bad, because I think they've all been pretty good. Yeah, they're just not exceptional. Yeah. Like, they're good beers. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd be quite happy if I brewed any of those. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy to drink them kind of thing, and, you know, they... um. It's not a beer I'm going to go buy a case of, though. No. I mean, a lot of them aren't, but especially, like, I may not even... I don't think I would buy Mr. Banks again, nope. or... I think, I think I would... I enjoyed trying it, but they're not really something I want to... They're not something I'm going to rush back to. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the bottom line. That's sort of what these Flash in the Pan styles, which I assume this will be, um, a lot of the time they're interesting, but they're not necessarily amazing, whereas any IPAs are kind of very enjoyable. Yeah, and look, we may well be proven wrong. Mm. <laughs> it's half the fun, though, of making broad-sweeping claims. Um, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's, it really depends as to whether brewed IPAs can have that real breakthrough thing, and I sort of, you know, I wonder if some smart person gets in touch with a sparkling wine brewer and they try to go whole hog with it. Well, yeah. I think the best one I've ever had, sort of in that vague style, I think it was technically called Beer de Champagne, yeah. Was um, Moondog's at- first attempt at it yeah, with that, Bad Boy Bad Bubbly. Bubbly yeah. That was about 11% or something. And yeah. That was more like champagne. It was dry, it was hoppy. Yeah. It had a bit going on. Um, I don't know if you saw that Edge have made an IPL. I version. saw the can. Yeah. I saw the can. Which is interesting. That's a good. Because I feel like that would work well. Edge has sort of been doing that, though. Like, they their, made a. They made a New England IPL, which yeah. is the orange one. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's just called OJ. OJ? Yeah. yeah. Um, they also have made uh, Edge Cuvée in the past, which was taste just a sour that tasted remarkably like white wine. There's actually one in the cellar. Mm. <laughs> so they know what they're doing in that regard. Um, so that might be something to keep your eyes on. And I don't know. I just feel like with any IPAs, they really burst out the gate. Like you had Biggie Juice and stuff, and you were just like, shit, this is awesome from the start. Whereas yeah. with Brute, we've like had a few each and it's like good breweries doing them and you're just like yeah, yeah. you're like yeah. These, are, these are all right I probably wouldn't go back to them but. yeah they're, they're solid beers but they're nothing that I need to revisit anytime soon yeah it's not like a Hawker's West Coast IPA no <laughs> which you'd probably prefer and probably cheaper and which some of us have drunk a lot of <laughs> yeah and I think it's yeah it, it'll be interesting to we'll try to look back at this maybe next time we do one because I imagine it will have come and gone by then um you never know. Yeah. We could also be sitting here in 10 years and Brute IPA is the biggest thing yeah. in, in craft Remember beer. Remember when we thought Brute IPAs were a flash in the yeah. <laughs> I just don't see it. Nah, um, I think I'm the same. Yeah, so we're both saying it now. Brute IPA is dead. Long live Brute IPA. Um, <laughs> we will be back in a moment to discuss our Desert Island six-packs. Back on the Beer O'Clock AU podcast after having some more animated discussion about brewed IPAs off air. Um, we're going to move on to something that's closer to our hearts. So this is the Desert Island Six Fact segment. And so the concept behind this essentially, if you had a six pack of, you know, it's like the uh, the regenerating pack of Tim Tams, but it's a six pack, yep. which is even better. Um, and you'd be, you can only fill it with one style. So you got you got a six pack and you know refill forever. You're going desert island and assumedly you have no food and no prospect of return. So you're just getting drunk all day every day and what a life. Um, so today we're going with Pilsen's. There's not really any guidelines here. They can be new world, they can be old world, they can be Australian, they can be European, they can be whatever we want. So I think the way to do it will be go one each back and forth rather than reading our whole thing out. I think so. And then if we double up, we can probably just say, I've got that too or something similar because no doubt we will double up. Yep, I'm sure we will. There's only yeah. so many. Yeah. Do you want to kick it off? What have you got? First? I'll kick it off. Give us a few reasons why you would, yeah. Well, there's a pretty obvious one, <laughs> which I'm sure most people who love their Pilsners are thinking right now, and that's Pilsner Oracle. Yeah. The very first Pilsner. And I also have that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the best thing you could do to describe why you like that is tell us about your experience having that beer unfiltered yep because that's always the one that i go back to when i think about yeah yep i think it was 2013 maybe yeah a little while ago yeah it's a a while ago um but lizzie and i went took the train down from 
Prague to Pilsen to visit Pilsen Rookal. Yep. Went on the big brewery tour, and underneath underneath the brewery, they have this huge sort of cave system where they age, where they naturally lager. lager, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they naturally lager all their stuff. Um, and they've got these massive wooden vats um, where the beer lagers. Um, and we, as part of the tour, you get to have unfiltered Pilsner Oracle straight from the tank in the lagering sort of cellar. And it's phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just something about that that sort of says the history of that beer. And yeah. Well, it's a relatively young style as well. I think Pilsner Oracle is about 1840, mid 1840s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of like, it feels a very modern beer every time I have it. Mm. Something about the SARS spice crisp. It's, just, it's got to be fresh, but... um, It has to be fresh. Dan's haven't been able to kill it, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> we certainly need to start getting cans over here of it. I don't, know if it, I don't think I've ever seen a can of it. Sure I assume they exist. exist. Yeah. <laughs> but um, on tap in Pilsen, it's yeah. one of the, my sort of top five all-time beer experiences. Yeah, and I think that's enough to get it on a list. And for me, I mean, it's just a formative kind of beer. That's why I've got it on here. Yeah. Uh, so... My, I guess my second one, because I also had that, <laughs> going with our Prima Pills by Victory Brewing. Nice. Uh, which is... I'd forgotten about that. A marvellously good beer, and every time I have it, I am just like, this is just bitter, and this is firm, and this is punchy, and this is just such a consistently excellent beer, and it usually comes in cans, which is even better. Yeah, it's a superb beer. Um, so it may be my favourite American Pilsner. Like, that would be certainly up there for me. Um, and it's I can't like, name one I prefer, um, off the top of my head at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, fun about this. It's a superb beer. Like, I've, I would have had, I think I've had a, a bottle, a can and a keg version of it mm. um, over the journey. And yeah, superb. Yeah. Just superb. I had one in Tassie late last year when I just wanted a lager and I was like, this is much more than just a lager and... It's so crisp. Kind of what's stuck in my mind about, yeah, it's it's very punchy. They um, also did a collaboration with Nomad where they did Secunda, I think, which was a Prima Pils brewed in Australia. Ah, there you go. I, I've heard of that, but I hadn't heard. Yeah. Um, so what, what's your second one? My second one, I think you probably know what this is as well, is Emerson's Pilsner. Yeah, and I also have that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, for a long time, that was Kiwi my... Kiwi f- Brewery, Yeah. should say. It's um, New Zealand Pilsner. So. Yep, used to um, be... Uh, widely distributed here mm. until Emerson's. I don't know if they got taken over or, or if they just partly. Yeah, yeah, and then they decided to focus on New Zealand instead of Australia. But yeah, quite hard to get. They were through. Uh, I think it's. I think it's Lions short-lived online arm Moku, Moku which yeah. died. Um, but they you could get them on there. Um, my mum brought me some back, but it's not easy to get. No, no, it's and it used to be really widely available here. Wonderfully, like South Blanky, good, like oh. lovely floral dry hops, and if you're looking for an example of a new world pilsner, it yeah. is far and away the best. I was tossing up between that and Tuatara's Moat Eureka, which is now defunct, but um, I did end up yeah going with Emerson's just because you can't that sort of Sav Blanc kind of fruit character they get in that is amazing, and it's still crisp and it's still definitely a pilsner, but it has a point of difference, and um, yeah, yeah, I it's superb, yeah. <laughs> so I am. Oh, I'm on my, this is my fourth because we've wow, yeah. done three of mine. Um, so I'm going with one that you might have. I'm going to say it's probably 50-50, uh, Bridge Roads Enigma. I do have it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, this is... I feel like Enigma came out as a hop like four years ago. And ever since then, as a pro, since like last Tuesday when we were at Tallboy. Yep. This is the hot new hop Enigma. Everyone's going to be on Enigma soon and... It's like, well, when when is this? Is everyone already honoured? Like, is yeah. But anyway, ignoring that, um, I think even Bridge Road said it though. Even they were saying it's like a new, exciting hop at the dinner we went to a couple of months ago. Oh, um, in Good Beer Week for home, yeah. at home place. Yeah, Good Beer Week. And um, speaking of which, if anyone wants good Indian food, in yeah, <laughs> home <But>, place. <laughs> but it's just enigma is an enigma in that sense. Like, it's one of those things that people keep talking about forever and no one seems to know how to use it except Bridge Road worked out hey if you just hop the hell out of a Pilsner with the Enigma it tastes bloody good and it sort of has the kind of grassy character but it has all this other stuff going on too and it's just 
It's a wonderfully punchy beer, and we got it in good condition here. And Bridge Road make good stuff, and yeah. it's just an easy pick, I reckon. I I think it's a really easy pick. I think Enigma's really interesting. You get that grassy element, but you also sometimes get a citrusy element. From sometimes Enigma. berry as well. Yeah, it's a really yeah. cool little beer. And little hop. But possibly. that beer... Oh. And I think it's the best way to use it. Yeah. On a clean base, because you get so many different things in it. Well, it lets the hop shine. Yeah. Because that is effectively a single hop pilsner. I don't think they use anything else. No, they, they, I don't think they do. Yeah. Um, just a superb beer. I've... I have vivid memories of the first time I had it. I was at the Gertrude Hotel, about 2014. Mate had broken up with his girlfriend, and I sat there and had 15 pints and listened to him. And you're like, fuck, the story's not great, but the beer is. But fuck, the beer's good. Yeah. <laughs> so what have we got next for you? Next for me is... Hopefully you don't have more of mine. No, I'm going to stick with... Uh, we're going to stick with the New World theme. Okay. Um... Panhead's Port Road Pilsner. Oh, that's a good choice. Have you had that? Yes. Yep. I have it at some... Probably a while ago. Yeah, it's a long time. Pretty untapped. Yeah, interesting. I reckon I have... I haven't untapped that long. When did you join Untapped? 2016. 2016. There you go. I think. Anyway. That's a side note. Yes. Um, Untapped's good for notes, so that's why we're... Really good for notes. (laughs) Um, I reckon I had it... Pre their takeover, when their yep. beer was really readily available here. Yes, and that's I, another one. Same with them since really. It's... Well, they're I think starting to be distributed again or being brewed over here. I feel I read that. The other my day. my mum said that to me. She was in New Zealand recently and said, "Oh, apparently they can get it in Australia now." I'm seen it, but usually I, I think it's on the way. My mum doesn't exactly have her finger on the pulse, so if she says it. Then I'm going <laughs> to. it's probably happening. Yeah, she knows more about New Zealand than Australian beer. Um, it's just a really cool beer. It's you know, good. spicy hops, you know, yeah, that sort of definitely old more world. in the new world. That, that's that old world sort of spicy, grassy thing. Yeah. But then they've got the Kiwi influence with the fruitiness. Yeah, it's, just, it's punchy. Yeah. That's what I remember. About. It's a ripper little pilsner. Yeah. Um, so I guess this one, my fifth, is new world as well. Yep. Um, I'm going with Bolter's pilsner. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Which um, I just... Uh, Bolt is sort of like, I don't know, I had this at first and I was like, this is a good Pilsner, but every time I've had it since then, it's been more like, this is just so well crafted and so perfect for any situation. Like, I'm always happy to drink it and everywhere I take it, people are happy to drink it. And it's like, it's sort of like a new world one, but made in an old world style. Yeah. And it, it's nicely firm and bitter and it's just super good. Comes in good size can is, um... They 375 cans? Yeah. Yeah. And, um... I don't know, I've just, I've never had a problem with that, and it's kind of, it was kind of just a safe choice for me, but it's just one that I sort of kept in the back of my mind, I'm like, look, these, this deserves a bit of props, because it's just, you know, a really good Pilsner, and they could have just done the easy sort of, let's make a crisp lager, and just label as a Pilsner, and, you know, a lot of, everyone has to have a lager of some description, really, if they're as big as Bolter are, but I think they've really taken it to a place that a lot of, any craft drinker can respect, and... Because that's a proper German-style Pilsner as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I, I probably lean more towards German than Czech. than Czech. Yeah. Yeah. And so that definitely resonated with me. But, you know, I've... Lots of friends' dads have had it and like always it. been happy and I can feel like I can take it anywhere and it's just a beer I really enjoy. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to m- move on with my one in the same sort of vein and that's the Hop Nation, the Damned. Yeah. I did look at that. Um, yeah. It's almost... The reason I didn't put it on there was the aggressiveness of it can be not always what I look for in a pills. Yep. But it is definitely a good beer. Yep. Oh, it's just... I love it. You yeah. Know. <laughs> have it on tap at the brewery. Yeah. Have it in cans. It tastes the same. Look, they are called Hop Nation, and it does live up to that. It definitely packs a punch for a Pilsner. Yes. It's a... It's a strong... It's an aggressive beer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's still a Pilsner. Yep. That's the important thing. It's still... Yeah. There's, I think there's a four-pack at my parents' house at the moment because that's what they bought me oh, well, that's good. <laughs> for when I come over to visit yeah. them. <laughs> well, that's not the worst. It's one of those beers that will get you to head over there as opposed to being like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, so my final one, I'm assuming you've probably got a couple. I've got one left. Oh, cool, we both do. So probably top of my list, which... Uh, Wine Stefano's pills not. Which I is... was tossing up putting this on my list. It didn't quite make it. That's yeah. Um, Probably knew that I would have it on there somewhere. I think subconsciously I knew that. Yeah. Um, Again, it, German pills now. It's a superb beer. Yeah, 
And um, they don't make a bad beer though, do they? No, but I think the Pilsner and the Hefeweizen are their two best. Hellas is also very good. Probably three. Um, won't go through the list because we'll just name all of their beers and say they're all the best. Yeah, but no, it's just a cracking Pilsner, and it has this sort of. For like an old school brewery, it has nice a level of bitterness and it's firm and it's yeah. I uh, yeah couldn't really live without it. I don't think no um, no it's... especially not on desert island. If I didn't take that with me, and also it's five hundred ml bottles, so you know, yeah, which is always cool. You know, a hypothetical refilling situation. It just makes it easy. You don't have to get up. You can stay on the beach. I'm going back a long way. Yeah, here. Um, it's for a beer. I believe it's still produced. But I haven't had it in my untapped history, which is... Wow, now. 2013, early yeah. 2013, maybe? Yeah. Um, wow. It's McKellar's American Dream. Yep. Hoppy Pilsner. Beautiful. They also did a super hopped version for a Gabs, I think, 2014. Back when McKellar were still able to, well, to be, you know, willing to go to Gabs. Yeah, when they weren't, you know, this huge conglomerate with... Well, not conglomerate, but... You know, know, brewery, they've got a big San Francisco brewery. Everyone who likes craft beer knows who McKellar are. And that's, um, yeah. I think it's it's good to have a pick from someone like that. I was looking at uh, Tuol's Raid beer. Yeah, I I didn't think quite. It didn't didn't quite match up for me, but um, it's good that one of us got one of the real aggressive New World Euro ones in there, even if it may or may not be made anymore. Um, I have heard of it, though, so like... Yeah, which is good. Um, just having a quick look on Untapped here. Yeah. It looks like it is still made. Okay, just um, difficult to get in Australia. F- 500 monthly check-ins, so... It's around. It's around. Sure, yeah. It's not... It hasn't died. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have to go... We'll have to revisit that. And then, Definitely yeah. at some point. We'll... <laughs> so I'll give my six and four, and then you can do yours, just in case people want some Pilsner wrecks. Yep. Um, got Wine Stefano Pilsner... Premium Pills by Victory Brewing, New Zealand Pilsner by Emerson's Brewery, Enigma by Bridge Road, Bolter's Pilsner and Pilsner Urquell. Mm-hmm. Well, I will do mine, which is Pilsner Urquell, followed by Emerson's New Zealand Pilsner. Uh, Hop Nation's The Damned, good local local brewery in Melbourne. Yeah, very local. Very local. I actually walked there last week from my place. That's so. how local. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Panhead's Port Road Pills, which will hopefully be available in Australia again shortly. Yep. McKellar's American Dream. Which we can hopefully make available again. And, and Bridge Road's Enigma. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so we're back for our final segment in a moment. And yeah. We're back. Final part of the day. One of the more exciting parts of any luck. Um, Angus has, as you may have guessed by looking at his website, has a terribly crowded cellar. And so we've, we've made this segment, uh, Nods a Cellar, just to help him get rid of something every week. And, um, you know, sometimes you, you buy a lot of nice beer and you don't have a reason to drink it. And Especially when they come in 750s or... Yeah, something like that, or if they're high alcohol or, you know, something absurd that you're like, oh, I should buy that. Yeah. You don't, we don't want to not buy it, but then you're like, when the hell am I going to drink this in its own... Yeah, for that reason, we have done something. So this is completely up to Angus, whatever he wants to pull out, basically. Um, he's got a fair bit there, so yeah, a bit of a drum roll, Angus. What have we got today? Well, today, we've got the uh, Lindemans and McKellar Spontan Basil. I think you and I have I spoken s- about this before. I think we have, yeah. We'll just crack into it here. So, we've got a cork, actually. <laughs> just duck off and get a corkscrew. Why don't you ask? Um... So, Lindemans and Mikula have done a few of these, not all of them as weird, but it's kind of like a Gerza, a bit of Lambic, fermented with something else, you know, that's sort of the Lindemans coming into the Mikula, so it's usually traditional melding with the weird, that's what they're going for, hence why we've got a basil Lambic kind of thing going on here. Well, exactly. I think Lindemans, I think, are the biggest Lambic producer in the world. Yeah. A traditional Lambic, at least. Yeah, certainly the, the most easy to find. Yeah. No, I, I love their all of their stuff, pretty much. I mean, even fussy people tend to love their um, Cuvée René. Well, everyone loves Cuvée René, don't they? Yeah. It's one of these sort of beers that everyone has to try. Every... True beer lover has to try it at least once. A lot of people turn their nose up at Lindemans, though. Um, 
you know, they do make pretty sweet lambics, but I think uh, they probably cop a bit of undue crap. And I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, the nose is amazing on this. While we're look, I'm I'm sort of like I'm apprehensive, but I'm curious. Like it could work really well. I had one of these fresh. Uh, I didn't love it, which is I think why the second one went in the. So how old is this? You reckon? Maybe 2015. Okay, cool. Not 100% sure on that. I would need to... Uh, Look at the receipts. Check some records. <laughs> but this is kind of what we're, we're looking at. Stuff that's, you know, need a reason to, and then we can, can talk about it. And... See how we go with it. Um, Initial thoughts on that. Minty? Grassy? Um, it's not necessarily basil, it's vegetal. Honestly, it's more mint. Um, really nice goza base. It's, uh... It is more mint, isn't it? I wonder if that's the sort of the, the lambic culture. Yeah, melting. Which melody. got a bit of citrus in yeah, it. Yeah, I reckon that is the case. And, um, certainly enjoyable. I mean, it's, it's unique, but, um, it's a really high quality base. Like, it's a good lambic. Well, that's exactly what it is. It's, uh... Um, I don't necessarily think basil is too out of the ordinary either. Like, oh, there's the um, it's a strange addition, but when you think about the other other additions to, you've got to think even in our own beer scene here, we've just had the uh, tomato and basil goza from Blackman's. I haven't had it yet. Yeah, I will have it though. I'm sure. But I mean, even as like a for a traditional kind of thing, I don't think basil is. Probably not used super heavily, but as a addition, I don't think it makes it makes some sort of sense. It adds um, a nice flavour. Yeah, um, this has actually quite lost sort of a basil. Yeah, but it's sort of still got a vegetal kind of thing. And... Yeah, because when I had this, uh, I had my one. I sampled in twenty fifteen, the mm. first one, October twenty fifteen, um, where I said great basil flavour, zestiness, and spice, oh. very tart. Which I think holds up, except for the basil flavour, which isn't particularly... It's all just kind of... Everything that you said there is just kind of mellowed into this... Uh... Quite nice sour, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily basil, but it's this nice kind of grassy... Zesty. Because mm. there's a fair bit of lemon lemon coming through. And it's definitely it's definitely lambic. Yeah. There's no faulting that. Nope. It's... Um... I'm still getting mint. I still... I think it is mint. Like a mentholy, minty kind of. Not a lot of it, but... Sort of almost more Vietnamese mint. It's sort of that yeah. lighter... It reminds me of Thai basil, like whole yeah. basil. That's yeah, yeah. Kind of, so, like, maybe that's partly what they use. I don't know if it was all Italian basil mm, or... I'm not 100% sure. Um, I would assume it was probably Italian basil, though. Yes, yeah, no, I would assume so, too. But, um, there is definitely, you know, maybe that those two have more in common than they seem. Hmm. Um... No, I quite like it. I mean, it's a good one to crack out of the cellar because it's something that would benefit with time, but it's also like probably not something you'd want a whole thing of yourself. I don't think I'd drink a 750 of this, which I think is what this is. It looks like it. It looks like a 750, doesn't it? In um, its current state, though, I, I could see myself possibly drinking a 750. Yeah. Um, probably if it was fresher, probably not, but as yeah. it is now, it's just a nice kind of... Well, it's a, it's a lambic with this sort of vegetal thing going on. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, it's uh, National Belgium Day, exactly. I should say. Which is part of the reason it was cracked. Yep. <laughs> and there uh, were other choices. <laughs> but no, we should should say that because uh, we see Belgian beers are consistently underrated except for when it comes for trading for other beers and people wanting them. But as a country, they are. Probably underrated with their impact on beer, even though I think people look at the American scene more than the <laughs> more than the the real roots. <laughs> and I would I would love to say good for them, more for us, but unfortunately, it doesn't always translate that way. No, people still want Belgian beer; they just don't talk about it. No, um, this is really nice now, though. Yeah, I'm. I think age has done wonders for this, and um, I think it is a very good choice to pull out of the cellar. Well, I thought you and I have spoken about this beer before. Yeah, <laughs> we have. 
I think we also had the Elderflower one together. We did. Yes. We did. Maybe for my thousandth something Ooh. it was some I number. think it was on that day yes <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure if it was the thousand uh, untapped check-in we are speaking of as well um because again sometimes you just need an excuse to crack something no, exactly that's, that's that's the whole as we were saying it's uh, the whole point of sort of doing this segment is to crack stuff like this and yeah I'm enjoying it and honestly I'm not sure if there's a heap more to say about it <laughs> I don't think so well, I think we've said all that we need to say about it. We've mm. had, we've got McKellar, who are these weirdos. We've got Lindemann, who are traditional. Yeah. And somewhere in the middle, we get Swanton Basil. Which just makes sense. But um, I guess the the takeaway from this would be, if you've got a Swanton Basil, probably give it a bit of time or try one fresh and try one with a bit of time. And then... Well, that's what I did, I yeah. think. You definitely get the best results from this. Anyway, that'll be us done for this episode, and we will be back at some point in the near future. I will try to bring a beer report from Malaysia, <laughs> see what I can get apart from Tiger. Be interesting to see what you come up with. Yeah, I'll find something. <laughs> I managed to in Bali, so I'll be able to do it in uh, Malaysia, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, thanks, Angus, and it's been yeah. the Beer O'Clock podcast. We're going to give a an email to anyone who happens to be listening if they want to send in any questions or anything. Well, I can send it to my email, which is the one I use on the blog. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is gus, G-U-S, dot Norris, N-O-R-R-I-S, number seven, at gmail.com. Yep. So any questions or anything, or you can just leave a comment in whatever this gets format this gets put up in. Exactly. And um, we will get back to you on the next podcast, which will yeah. hopefully be not too far away. <laughs> Thanks very much, and uh, yeah, see you all soon.